So, this is Gelato's no, part. What we're going to do is, um, we're going to do part two of our chat with Leo Green because we thought, well, we don't want to do too long on the first one. It ended up being quite long. But um, Leo has got so many great stories to tell. He's, he's a he's a great saxophone player, BBC Radio 2 presenter, raconteur, has played with Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Van Morrison, um, Tom Jones. If, if, or he's a, who's who, really? So, But we've got so many stories. And uh, I'd just like to kick off by saying hello, Leo. How are you? I'm good, Ray. How are you? Nice to see you again. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. No, thanks for coming on. But I thought a part two would be really good because uh, we've we, we've got too much ground to cover, really. And uh, we're probably going to need part three and four <laughs> and five. See, it's like the Bible. <laughs> well, I know how this one ends. Uh, the fun, it is funny because I, I think I had, I've had sort of two or three different lives professionally because I, you know, up until the age of about 28, 29, 30, I was, all I did was play the saxophone. And then I got into other things, and, and you know we touched upon last time, you know that that thing of you know always saying yeah I can do that I'll have, I'll do you know making yourself available and yeah. putting yourself up for things, and and what happened really after you know we were talking about you know after I finished working with Van Morrison uh, very amicably, and you know, I still still stay in touch, but he, he then put a band together without horns and did a country music thing. Um, I got I did a couple of years with Jules Holland, which was which was great. Jules was lovely. It was the summer my, my father died. Uh, I, obviously, it was a very tough time. And Jules called me up. I don't know how he got my phone number. He said, I'm very sorry to hear about your dad. You know, I didn't know him, but I was a great admirer. What are you doing? And I said, not much. He said, are you out with Van? I said, no, not at the moment. He said, well, look, why don't you get out of the house? He said, why don't you come on the road and, and play some shows with us? He said, it'd be good for you to, to get out. And you know what? I will never forget that. Wow. You know, he was such yeah. a sweet man. And I, and I went out, and of course... His band, and I say this as, a, as an affectionate comment, was the musical equivalent of going out and getting drunk with a lot of your best mates. Yeah. It was like a party on but the road. Ain't that the best thing you can say? Well, that's why. How was he as a band leader? Oh, he was. You know what? He was a lesson, and uh, you know people talk about him as a piano player or as a TV presenter, whatever. But there is a real skill in being a band leader and quite often that has nothing to do with music it's a completely different tell me skill. about that one well you know about it done it for and 30 years <clears throat> Jules is a maestro at being a band leader and having yeah. you know whatever it was 15, 18 guys completely different uh, people on the road but all pulling in the same direction yeah and he was a, a master and he still is That's was it rough and ready to band if you don't mind me saying not, not in a bad way in a, in a, in a good way um, in a very positive way yeah yeah and he was very open, uh, very much like Van, in that if, if you had an idea or you wanted to arrange a song or suggest a song, yeah. he was open to it. And I, and I suspect that's why he's still packing them in what, 20, 25 years later. And what's the venues, mate? Was it the, the UK, the theatres? All, all the theatres, you know. Yeah. So it was kind of 1,500 to 2,000 people every night. And, you know, it's, it was a real lesson in how to work a room. How yeah. to, you know, And for a guy that is trapped like... Fats Domino was, Jerry sure. Lee was behind a piano. Yeah. He can't be Mick Jagger, he can't be running up and down no. and jumping. But to, to see a man work a room from sitting yeah. down behind a piano, it was a lesson. Do, do, do you know what the show reminded me of? I've seen it, as you know, of course I have, you know. But what it reminded me of was one of those old style package R&B shows. Very much Where it's so. not just about him. Yeah. It, 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 he gets Beverly Knight and he had Louise Marshall and uh, Ruby Turner. He, he said Mark to me, Ormond. He said to me one night, so what, what have you been up to? I said, oh, I've been working with this guy, PJ Proby, you know, an old, an old uh, 60s guy. And he went, oh, what's he like? I said, I said, Jules, you'd love him. Said, yeah. He said, well, why don't you see if he wants to come and sit in? Yeah. So we did a gig. We phoned him up. We, we, I think we were doing uh, Shepherd's Bush or PJ came. Uh, that, that was Jules. 
and you never know who was going to pop in and, and sit in. We, you know, we'd do a function one night, and Eric Clapton would get out and have a blow, or you come along, and uh, you know, we went to his studio and record, and Paul McCartney would come in. Amazing! Did McCartney come and play as well? He did, and uh, yeah. know, we, we recorded the track. I don't know if it ever came out. I'll tell you something. Jules called up and said, "We're doing a session next week. Can you make it?" And I couldn't do it, and it was with George Harrison. And it proved to be his last ever recording. And you went in depth for me. Do you remember? Wow, you went and covered. I and, did cover. And that was blessing. That was his last I ever recording. I did cover. I recorded. covered on the session. I was I? I was on holiday. I just met my wife at the time. We went in the studio in Greenwich and, and did that's it. That's right. Yeah. And and that's Jules. Jules is the most wonderful, oh open, uh, generous guy that, you, yeah. that I've, I've met in this business. It's, it's lovely. It's lovely to hear. And and, and and you know, I know people knock him sometimes or whatever. You know, but only the, only idiots. I I think so too you know? because he, he, if you look at it. Point one, the guys supplied jobs for so many musicians, right? Oh, unbelievable. And two, people like it. Isn't it funny? How, how come when people like something, that the critics or whatever, or some of the musicians, I'm not trying to be, kind of knock it. I think What's wrong with liking? I, I think We're all in this business I, to be liked. I think it's a real, it's a real British <laughs> thing. We're not very good at that, you know. And, no. and you know how hard it is. You, you know, you, 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 you struggled and you fought to keep a seven-piece band on the road. Jules has got you know three times that with the crew yeah. and yet he's still doing it and, and I got nothing but uh, love and respect for him he, he's an amazing guy an no, amazing guy it's, it's, you've got to be you know it, it's important yeah, to speak about this sort of thing because yeah you, I agree you've got to be you, there's a bit of background noise with this because we're actually having this in a in a, in in a, a bar in a bar <laughs> but, that, but that's fine because we're, we're keeping it real mate yeah, yeah that's right so, but, but I, I think you know you've got to be positive about it. I, I always look at it this way I don't know if you agree that where the jazz not the jazz, but a lot of the music critics totally and have missed the point for the last 70 years. Yeah. Is they'll knock a Louis Armstrong, which they used to, for, for entertaining. Yeah. Or they'll knock yeah. a Louis Prima for entertaining. Or they'll That's knock right. a Jules for actually entertaining. Or they'll knock me. I've had it. Because yeah. if you play serious music, you've got to be serious. Now, what they never take into account is the artist's personality. Yeah, yeah. Miles Davis, right, wasn't that personality. He was maybe a more introvert. That was his stick, or John Coltrane. Yeah, of course. Whereas someone else's stick, like a Louis Prima or, or Armstrong, or maybe myself, if I put myself up there as well, is we're extroverted people on the stage. That's the yeah. way we project ourselves. That's right. And yeah. I think the, I think that's where the critics miss, the honesty of somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you think so too? I, I do. And with, with someone Because you've had it as well. Yeah. You know, oh, you're oh, a showman when you play. It, yeah, it's a character you play when you walk on the stage. And people have criticised that. I, I, I've had criticism all my life, and I don't mind that uh, if, yeah. if, if it's you know if it's, it's, it's reasonably intelligent. You know, yeah. someone like Jules, you know, after a gig, he'll be in the bar all night, and he'll talk about music and piano players and singers yeah. and rock and roll and jazz and country. He's you know, a fan. He, he is obsessed with music, and that's why people like him and Van. That's why they're still going because they're they're, they're so into the music. It's, there's no they're not interested in, in about being famous or being, making money. They're, they're obsessed with music. So Van Morrison actually, because and I've got to I'm, again I'm not name dropping, but I've I've got to know him through you, and I've always got on very well with him because we're, we're really the fame for him is a sideline. It's an, it's an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience to him. Like it, all of us. The man, that, like George as well, I've always been been so impressed by these people that I've, that I've met, and most of them through you. They remain music fans. Yeah. Because a lot of people who've been in this game for years are not really music fans anymore. They want to get away from it. But Van, he's obsessed. Yeah. He loves the jazz. He loves all the, what we're talking about, the Louis Prima stuff. It. He talk, you know, yeah. and, uh, it's so refreshing, isn't it, to spend time in their company. And when you, when you bump into people like Van, or oh, I saw Jules about just before Christmas last year, and I hadn't seen him for a while, and within two minutes he was saying, 
what have you, what have you heard recently? Who you checked out? You know, he wanted to talk about me. You know, what have you heard and yeah, gigs and you know, and that's that's what I love about those people. And you kind of take them for granted because they're always gigging, always always on the telly. But he's a he's a vital figure, I think, in, in UK music. And often, like you say, people haven't have a knock, and I think it's bang out of order, really. You know? No, it's, it's good, good good to touch upon it. But what I wanted to touch upon was, you, you know, I can't we can't really cover the amount of projects you've been involved in. But I remember one really special one. And I'd like you to talk about it a bit. Was the uh, the Bacharach and David thing that yeah, you did? Yeah, yeah, that was that, that, you, that you wrote me into. <laughs> well, we did a few of them. I was I was being managed by a guy, and he said uh, uh, Bacharach and David are coming over to be honoured at the Royal Albert Hall, a big concert. He said, any ideas who can who can be musical director? And I heard a stupid idiot in the room say, I'll do it. And then I realised it was me that said it. I never done anything like that in my life. I didn't. You've always done that. You know, and I thought, well, it, I'm sure I could, you know. I ain't got the but, bottle to But, uh, you, you know, I, I found myself sat at home writing out musical scores, yeah. which I hadn't done since I was at college, you know. And uh, I realised pretty quickly the best way to get around this was to book the best guys I possibly could. So I booked Ralph Salmons. Trevor Barry, Robin Aspland, yeah. Snake Davis came and played tenor. You know, really good players. And I thought, if I'm the worst person there, all I've got to do is worry about me. And uh, it, it, I say we pulled it off, they pulled it off. Yeah, because it was they were great you got players. Me as in, you got me in a section. You came the next year, did Lever and Stoller. We I, did another one. I That's did Lever and Stoller. You know what? I'm getting my... We, we I'm did, getting me Bacharach and... Yes, so you did the Bacharach and We David. did Bacharach and David, yeah. and, and word came from Bacharach's office that he wouldn't send any music over. Yeah. So I had to transcribe it all. And I remember the night before saying to my brother, Dom, I said... I just want to drive to the airport and, and, get, and run away. He Mate, said, that must have been a nightmare. I was, I was up against it. He said, no. He said, you've got to do this. He said, you've got to do this. The next day, we had a rehearsal. Baccarat was coming. Guess who overslept? Me. I was up all night. But we did it. We, you know, I say we got away with it. It was a fabulous night. We had Dion Warwick and Sasha Estelle. There was Costello. All these wonderful people. The next year was Lieber and Stoller. Now, again, I love that music. All those early oh, rock and roll man. records. They were, the, they were the geniuses. They, they yeah. were like... Cole Porter and Gershwin of rock and roll and and uh, I said come on Ray come and sing well, Smokey I just got Joe's back from America. Cafe. do you remember I've been living in the States for a year do you remember we, had, we had Benny King I've flew in to sing days it. mate and you said can you come and well but, but you know we needed someone to sing that song we had Benny King doing Stand By Me Tom Jones was doing Jailhouse Rock we had fabulous singers and we needed someone to come and the do the late Kenny Lynch Kenny oh, I remember man. Kenny Lynch was on there and he, he did a coaster song do you remember uh, with, yeah, with, 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 no, Charlie uh, Brown. Charlie Brown, he did. Don't you give me no with, the, with um, John Lodge and uh, Jim Capaldi. Hang on, wasn't the other guy on it as well? The uh, Brian Connolly was he on Brian it? Brian well? was on it. Yeah, who did the Jolson? Yeah, yeah. Mate, so, so, so I remember I'd been living in the states for a year <laughs> in Florida. I was back days, and I got a call for. Leo and I kept in touch when I was over there. He came out of the state. We only spoke. Do you remember? We only spoke every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he phoned me up and said, do you want to come and be part of this Libra and Stoller thing? So I said, yeah. So we did the rehearsals. Yeah. In the rehearsal, I was playing. You said, can you sing Smokey Joe's Cafe? That's right. Well, no, that, that. And I said, well, yeah. You know, I don't. I, I knew the song. Didn't I know that well? And I had to have the lyrics on the, the, the floor. But the story about that was, I'm, I'm in the section and we're backing all these people. In the rehearsal at the Hammersmith Apollo, wasn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. We're back, and Ruby Turner came up and Jay Monheit, I remember. Oh, uh, she was uh, great, wasn't she? Edwin Starr. Edwin Starr. Benny King. So, yeah, that's right. I'm in the company of all these people. And he says, um, Tom Jones will be in in a minute. So I did the rehearsal for Smokey Joe's Cafe, and then Tom Jones was late. Yes. Remember, you got a call, Tom Jones was late. So he called me up in front of everybody and said, Ray, can you routine <laughs> Kansas City? Kansas City, we did. 
I says, yeah, sure. So I came up and did Kansas City, and it, mate, the, it was in the key of G, which for me was like, you know, <laughs> I'm here in a Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. And I managed to get through it. As I'm halfway through it, who walks in? <laughs> Bloody Jonesy. Tom Jones is looking at me, <laughs> observing me singing. Stop shitting me, stop crapping myself, right? I walked back to the section, and he went, he went, God almighty, God, that's high, isn't it, boy? <laughs> we had to change the key. We changed the key, friend? yeah. That's a good, yeah, so I, I've always been a believer in saying, yep, 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 and then... You know. But those two things are, are they available on DVD? They're on DVD. You can find them on Amazon. I, I dread to think what they like, but they're all there. No, you know, mate, they were uh, spectacular. Those, those, and I, and I, I think it's sad, really. That, that could have been a, another. You know, it was so good to do those things. I wish there was more of those sort of things to do. But you supplied a lot of work. But so, so shortly after that, right? Yeah. Um, you got the call, as I mentioned on the first podcast. Um, we're talking about Ronnie Scott's because Pete yeah. King, Ronnie had died, hadn't he? And, Pete That's King, right, the yeah. owner, sold it. Yeah. So tell us how you got the gig at Ronnie Scott. Well, I've, I've been playing there for, for quite a while in, in, in a lot of the support bands. And Pete King used to book me for like two weeks a year. And uh, he'd book me to open, I think, for um, Billy Cobham, the drummer. And we'd gone in the afternoon to soundcheck. And Pete was there. And he said, how are you? I said, good, how are you? And he said to me, he said, I've sold it, son. I've sold the club. I said, oh. Right. What, he told you just like that? Yeah, he said, I've, I've sold wow. it. Yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, oh. He said, so I can't give you any more gigs, he said. Yeah. Uh, he said, if you want to um, get a gig, you're going to have to speak to a woman called Sally Green. No relation to me. He said, uh, she owns a theatre. She's friends with uh, Kevin Spacey, who at the time had done that movie on Bobby Darren, who was a big jazz fan. He said, you've got to call her if you want a gig. So I just kind of went away thinking, okay, I want to, I want to keep playing here. I want to get yeah. a gig. I better, I better. And I said, well, who's going to be the new booker? He said, I don't know. He said, I honestly don't know. So I kind of went home that night, and by this point I'd started booking a few clubs. Uh, I had kids and wanted to get off the road a little bit, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll write her a letter. Yeah. Which, incidentally, I didn't tell you how I got the job with Van Morrison. I wrote him a letter. That's how long ago it was, asking if I could come and audition for his band. You wrote Van. A I letter. wrote him a letter. No emails in those. No days. emails. And and I got a phone call a few days later from his road manager saying. Yeah, Van says, come and sit in, you know, because he knew knew me from Jerry Lee. Anyway, I wrote uh, Sally Green a letter saying, look, here's... So I wrote her, I wrote Sally Green a letter saying, you know, introducing myself, here's what I, I would like to do. These are the, the kind of people I think yeah. work well there, and just a few ideas. And you know what, I wrote uh, the next letter, the next morning I got a phone call from her saying, I got your letter... Uh, we do actually have someone in, in that position, but w- I'd like to meet you. So I went out a cup of tea and I met one of our, uh, her team who he said, look, we've got someone, but it's nice to meet you. We appreciate your letter. Um, please stay in touch kind of thing. Yeah. And then it was around about this time there was that terrible, uh, awful happenings in, in New Orleans with the hurricane and the, the devastation. Yeah. And they said, we're going to do a charity week. Why don't you help us? And we'll just see how we all get on. Can you book a week at the club? and we're going to raise money for charity. So I thought, great, you know. And uh, obviously my first call, I phoned Van up and said, would you come and support this charity? Van was there an instant, obviously. What musician wouldn't be? We all love New Orleans, yeah. right? So we had Van, did a couple of nights. Um, I think, I, I hope I'm not mistaken, but I think Sam Brown did one. Uh, Snowboy, we got Pee Wee Ellis. I just phoned people, yeah. that, you know, and we came. It was a great week. And... It was a bit like, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, I was booked for three nights and stayed two years. Van, I went to sit in with him one night in Scotland and stayed eight years. 
Ronnie's I went to book a week and I stayed there for two years and it was a fascinating time um, can I just ask I, you something yeah for those initial few months yeah. when Sally bought it when you started yeah wasn't Pete King still sort of hanging around Pete, Pete was still there as a, as a, <coughs> on, as a sort of lifelong he president he almost couldn't and, stop uh, could he and he, he, said, he said the first day I eventually got, the, got this yeah. job he, and he said to me I said I, he said I feel sorry for you he said you're you're knackered, it's a polite word, he said, because who are you going to book? He said, I booked Nina Simone, I booked Dizzy Gillespie because I could. Buddy Rich. He said, yeah. he said you're going to struggle, son, they're all dead. And he wasn't being horrible, he was so... Is that what he said? Yeah, and I, I remember him pulling you and me to side, to side once and saying, you you guys are the future, this place. Gallery of ghosts. He said it's a gallery of That's ghosts. That's what he said, because he pointed at the old pictures of Stan right. Getz, Ben Webster, and he said to us, yeah. didn't he? He said it's a gallery of ghosts. And he also bought us a beer that night. He did, yeah. Which is unheard of. So I knew that I would have to do something a little bit different. Mm. And... Uh, and I did, and it was. I saw a different side of the business. Yeah. I saw a different side of people. I saw levels of inadequacies, stupidity, uh, and lack of knowledge that I, to this day, am stunned about. But I also saw some good stuff and learnt some amazing things. And uh, you changed a lot of the business model of the, of the or the, the, the policy, where, whereas yeah. you had, um, whereas they used to have, they, they used to have a, 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 like a. Um, a different band every night or every week didn't they so every week they have a different support band yeah. and you change it to like a house trio which they've still got that model now they do and, and uh, you know when I went in there the club didn't even open till 8.30 at night and the fir first show was half nine and the, the, the main act wouldn't come on until half past ten I thought, no you certainly got rid of the graveyard and I thought, shift and I thought this is crazy so we opened at 6.30 we brought everything forward and we made it early. So, so people who weren't musicians yeah. could go and have a night out there I changed the timings. I made on Friday and Saturday we had two houses and an yeah. early show and a late show. And I realised that the reason Pete had to sell it was because the club wasn't, you, you know, <coughs> excuse me, there wasn't many acts who could sell out six, seven shows a week. So I thought if I put split the week and have some people doing three nights, some people doing four nights, and having a house rhythm section, which they still got to this day, which I called the Ronnie Scott's All-Stars. You did, yeah. Uh, it was really no different from what Pete and Ronnie had done with uh, Stan Tracy. They yeah. made him the house guy. Yeah. And I, I called James Pearson, a wonderful musician, and I said, I want to put you to put a trio together, and this is going to be the nucleus of the house hmm. house trio. And every night we'll have different front guys, we'll have different singers. Yeah. And we, every Monday night we had a fabulous thing with David Higgins and Gerald Presenza. Yeah. Then I brought in Natalie Williams doing her soul thing on Sundays. Then I brought in Alex Garnett and yourself and... Alan Barnes and all these people yeah. who come in and come out um, and then I bought in uh, some you know there were some artists like Keely Smith who'd never played England I, you did bring I bought Keely, Keely over uh, Chick Career with Marsalis and people moaned and said it's not jazz it's not this and I was always up for an intelligent argument because yeah. at the end of the day it, it, you know it, it's a it's a business you're running based on well let me just stop you there well, you've said that people used to say well it's not jazz that, that you, and, and yeah. Leo's not booking jazz and he's not doing this let's just remember something I, mem I remember the old Ronnie Scotts very very well mm. in the 80s and Pete King and Ronnie would book people like Hazel O'Connor yes right absolutely Ike Turner we saw Ike Turner Pete said to Ruby, me Ruby what's his name Ruth Brown he said to me, you, you, need, you need to find your Ike Turner, he said. Mm, mm. Because, you, you know, I love jazz. That's yeah. my first love. But I know if you book jazz 52 weeks a year, I think things have changed. Yeah. But Ronnie's know that now. They do. See. And I think, you know, look at, look at jazz clubs, look at jazz yeah. festivals. 
all those great players that we had aren't there anymore and unfortunately because you can't do it even the great great jazz yeah. musicians of today the, the, the Cyrus Chess all those guys because they don't get airplay and exposure they yeah. can't fill big rooms no so it's a different challenge and so, so you've got to have the money making act right people said to, to me supplement what, the jazz people said to me um, why did you book Craig David what were you thinking but what they forget is that yes I booked Craig David to do a, a, a show but the same night I had Abishai Cohen now, Abishai Cohen is a wonderful jazz bass player, was, was playing to 70 or 80 people. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. And he's a yeah. wonderful musician. But because we had Craig David in, it helped me help the, the finances. But people didn't understand that, and I got a lot of lot of stick for that. And I didn't mind that. No. Because, I don't, you know, if you put your head above the parapet, you've got to take the shots. Well, do you know what my theory is with that, mate? And we could put the record straight a little bit later. That I think the, the point is that you're in a ter- you're in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Yeah. Anybody that would have come in after the old guard of Ronnie and Pete, anybody, yeah. anybody would have gotten complete criticism because they would have said it's not done the old way. Yeah. But what people forget is, and I've got to say this myself, that you put the money up. You put the money up a lot. A lot with people. Do you remember what people got paid? 80 quid. 80 quid. We used to get 80 a man and we were glad to do it under Brook, yeah. But the, you see, the trouble is, people only see what, what, what they want to see. And well, I think course, yeah, anybody yeah, that yeah. would have come in there would have got complete criticism. And if somebody had come in there and booked their idea of, 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 of straight jazz music, the club can't survive. No, exactly. We know. I mean, I've been out there years as well, and I've seen all these festivals, and they moan they have a pop act or whatever, or whatever, but they have to do that yeah. to keep to, to survive. But so what, what do you mind? So no, is, is it worth talking about what went wrong? I'm what happened? Well, for me, yeah, I mean, you nothing, nothing went wrong. Because I, you know, I look back now, I, I started the Ronnie Scott's All-Stars. Here it is, 10, 12 years later, yeah, still and going. And the big band. I started the Ronnie Scott's Big Band. Yeah. That was my concept as well, still going. You had the podcast, the, the, the radio show? We had the Ronnie yeah. Scott's podcast, which was the most downloaded jazz podcast in, on iTunes. Yeah. We were doing that. Um, a lot of the things that they're doing. So, I, I, you know, I look back and think, I, listen, you don't always get it right. Of course you don't. <clears throat> but what I did do was um, book the some of the greatest musicians around you know yeah. I got Tony Bennett in to do a couple of nights Van came and did it yeah. you know when Marsalis came you had the in. Mingus big band we had the it? Mingus guys we had you know fantastic what musicians. people were see- I think what your detractors were seeing in it they weren't looking at what you were doing they were trying to criticise what you weren't doing yeah of course that was the problem and again that was only because you were, you were the unfortunate guy that came in after the old gun yeah that's right and I remember, you know, we booked some wonderful, wonderful night, Monty Alexander, and you know, some amazing guys. But people, people, mm. oh no, you you booked. Uh, they say to me, you booked Marty Pello. How can you book him in there? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why I booked him in there because I'd heard him do some jazz songs, and he sung them great. And you know what? He went into Ronnie's. They gave me terrible stick, and then what happens? He's headlining the Cheltenham Jazz Festival. He's releasing a jazz, you know, and he's employing, to his credit fantastic yeah. British jazz no, guys it was, it was Anthony Kerr and all these, all these guys I look back and think <coughs> it was very unfair but like you say you, you certainly learn about I mean I personally think Ronnie's now you know they're using a lot of visual but I think it's a well run club absolutely I, work, yeah. I think, I think the, the team there now are, are good and, and, and very, more, more than good and they've got it but I think that, that you know you certainly did set up a good business model for that. You also cut down those. Th- I mean, Pete King, blessing, would give us three weeks' work. I Georgie Fame yeah, and me. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it was too much. I remember that. It was I, too much to have one artist for three weeks there. Yeah. You know? But it's nice, you know. I can still, you know, pick up. I, I literally spoke to them yesterday. You know, we still talk. I was trying to put an act in there yesterday. I'm yeah. Huge. I mean, one of the biggest stars in the world wanted to come and play Ronnie's, yeah. and I called them yesterday and said, you know, can we work this out? So. I look back on it as, uh, you know, and I, hats off to Sally Green. She gave me that opportunity. Yeah. 
and she, she took a chance on me and you know I had a two, two year stint there was, I, I loved it I think you basically took all the stick on your shoulders yeah um, and necessarily the team there around you never they all everyone seemed to get off scot-free and you, you were the one that took especially with the press yeah what, what, what was the press all about with, well I think with, that you, you know that the, 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 biggest, the biggest sin I was guilty of was that I wasn't running you know, and and the you know, yeah. and because I wasn't a part of the, that sort of British jazz fraternity, really, you know, they they had, they didn't didn't like that, and uh, I can remember I booked Jeff Beck for five nights there, and Jeff recorded it and filmed it, mm. and it went on. He got nominated at the Grammys, right? That's how yeah. that's how significant that recording was, but. There was a two-page double spread in, in, in a very uh, prominent newspaper yeah. saying I was uh, trampling all over the history of Ronnie's and what disrespect and how dare I book Jeff Beck. What? Just nonsense. How unfair. Well, and you know what? Well, I reckon they'd have Jeff Beck back there in the do, shop. Do you know when I read it? I just, I just laughed. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious yeah. that someone was that stupid. But I remember, because I was on the grassroots with <coughs> because you were booking up, you know, Pete King basically gave me my residency supporting George Melly. Right. So we supported George for years, and you you kept that Christmas tradition for me going. Absolutely, I was grateful. Now the, yeah. the, the lovely people there do it. We've done it. Yeah. But I think um, I, I just think wrong place, no right place, wrong time. Well, I enjoyed it. I don't regret it. I, mem- I remember one night Winton Marsalis saying, I, I, I used to play there myself yeah. sometimes and sit in with the guys, and he came. He said, "Can I sit in with you?" And he thought my god you know and he sat in and we played uh, Lady Be Good he came up and he said to me yeah. he said I've never heard a young guy with you know th- such history in your play and I love your play and I'm thinking he ain't going to say that if you don't mean well, it I just you know so I look back I, I had a great time there, yeah. you know no, I learned a lot got to meet a lot of great musicians and the, the thing is though Leo, the, the stick the criticism had to hurt you when you think you think you're doing your best and all of a sudden you've got a, a small but very vocal amount number of people who are who was slacking you off. Yeah. And, and yeah. I remember at the time, if you don't mind me saying, yeah. I remember you, you put on a brave face, but towards the end, you were extremely worn out by it, but, you know, it hurt by it, you know. Well, I just, I, I, I was puzzled by, by people's stupidity. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, what, what do you think you're going to book? Yeah. I'd love to book Miles Davis. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to book Coleman Hawkins. Yeah. But I can't. No. So I've got, I've got to try and, you know, and, you know, you're working for people. It's a business. Yeah. You know, Sally Green, to her credit, and Michael Watt invested millions into that club. Yeah. Millions, yeah, you know, yeah, millions. And if they, if they hadn't have done, it would have died. Who knows what that place would be now? You no, know? well, it wouldn't. So it wouldn't be there. It's a. It wouldn't a, be there because it needed the money. Of course it did, and it's a tough nut. You know, what you're talking about is a is a 220 whatever is yeah. club in the middle of the most expensive real estate area, yeah. certainly in Europe probably. So it's about numbers. You've got to, you've got and you've got to put bums on seats. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes that means you know. You've got to balance things. The thing is, you, you can't please everybody, and that's the thing. And, 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 you know, if you try, the club will end up going under because yeah. of the, the, we all know that we all love the music, but unfortunately, and I hear this from promoters, that, that, that they told me this in Birdland recently as well. Right. I was there in November, and I looked at the programme and spoke, that, and it's mostly singers and cabaret. Yeah. Very little jazz. Yeah. And, and, and I said, you know, what's, what, what, well, it's not selling. Yeah. That is the point, because a lot of... I don't want to get involved in any... Because I love the music, but... One, a lot of the jazz has become quite inaccessible. Yeah. But point two is you can yeah. have the inaccessible stuff, but you have to have something else that's bringing the bums in on seats to support that. I mean, this is the thing. People did have a pop me and said, why are you booking this one and that one? But they forget. You know, I book guys like Gary Bartz. You know, yeah. have, have some of the you avant-garde booked, When things. I was there, I saw you book that fantastic, uh, two fantastic sax players. Uh, Scott Hamilton and Harry Allen. 
That's a great band. So that was all jazz? Oh, we, we had um, Branford came in. Yes, I know. Uh, Marsalis with, with Russell Malone's trip. Yeah. I mean, we did have some great stuff, but of course it's easy for people to, to, to knock and have a go, and I don't mind that. I'll always have an argument and give my point of view. You know? I think all the people that did really the most vitriolic towards you, none of them are not there anymore. They've all gone. Yeah. They've and all I gone. And the new team is a different thing, different animal altogether. But the, I think those, I think, you know, the trouble is, you yeah. say you, you, when you're working with people, you really learn yeah. about them. Yeah. Yeah. And there was always there was always an attitude to, to, with some musicians of entitlement, like they should get gigs there because they always did. Yeah. And I said, well, okay. Let, how many you know? It's how many people? How many tickets are you going to sell? Yeah. You know, the only reason they still book you now, let's be blunt about it, is because you sell a lot of tickets. Yeah. If you didn't, as no. great as your band is, they ain't going to book you. They're, they're not. You know what? I'm a, I'm a realist uh, to know. That, 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 um, you know, they turned around to me. I'd done New Year's for years, and it was getting. We did it with Georgie Fame, with Buddy Greco, with Booker T, and the evening was getting stale from Ronnie's point and everyone's point. Yeah. And they turned around and said, Ray, would you mind if we tried something else? New Year, we'd, we'd love to still do the Christmas because it's good. And I said, No. Yeah. You know, obviously I miss the work and I miss the money. I still like, but I thought to myself, it's their club. They're yeah, entitled of, to do what they want, and and there's there's no sense of entitlement, mate. And and you know, nothing to this day, some of these musicians, you know, some big names we're talking about, I still, I, I'm in touch, and they'll say to me, When are you going? back when, you know when are you going to go back they still are you know I'm thinking well if people like you are asking that I can't have done that bad a job no I, I, I don't think so and I think a lot of people who, who know don't don't think so as well but it's uh, no it's good so, I'll, so I'll tell you something funny about yeah. Ronnie's before we move, move on um, during my whole time there I kept a, da- a daily diary yeah and I thought one day you know it was Jules Holland that said to me keep keep a diary said because one day it will keep you yeah and I'm now nearly 50 I've got so many great stories written down. I'm thinking I'll I'll do a book. You should. Uh, well, you've got some of it down here for the <laughs> but, first time. For the it? simple reason that when I'm when I'm an old an old sod, you know, yeah. it'd be nice to look back and. Because this is the first time we've spoke about that. Because yeah. I know I know yeah. you and I being you know such too busy close being friends. friends. Yeah, but how much of a how can I put it? But you know what? You're looking back at it philosophically. And there was bad times, but it was also a hell of a lot of good times. Oh, down there. by far outweighed. Hell yeah. of a lot of good yeah, times. Yeah. And that's a, what about? Let me just just finally, because we're we're, we're going to do a Leo Green Pot free. <laughs> but how about opening your own club? Would you ever want to do that? With love all your to. Experience? Absolutely love to. Would if, you like if, to do that? Yeah, if it was the the right venue and the and the right kind of business team and partners behind it, I would love to. Absolutely love to. What would be your business model on a new club? How would you just in a nutshell? How would you? What would you do? How I, would you I run would it like in the booking policy? Entertaining, accessible music of all genres uh, for all ages I think there's a there's a there's a real mistake we make in this country whether it's on on radio or, or in pop any kind of booking policy people always try and go for a younger audience Absolutely. all the time as opposed to just going for an audience but, and audience and the older people have the money as well they do but the only you know nine times out of ten people discover music from you know when they were kids in the in the car with their parents or you know you're exposed to all yeah. kinds of music and I think it's a mistake we make thinking that you know oh let's only try and attract people under the age of 50 would you book a jazz club or would it be a general music club how would you you know what would be the policy all of the above there's some fantastic jazz acts yeah. there's some fantastic rock acts there's some yeah. you know there's some great roots well, I'm not being there's funny. only two types Western of music as we know that's it that's it th- th- and you know what as well there are there are so many talented bands out there that you've seen I mean you've introduced people and new people there's that Aubrey Logan and people yeah, like that yeah absolutely loads of people and some of the, the established people like Claire Martin you know, great artists who who need venues to play. Yeah, I mean, there's that girl singer Hayley Reinhardt thinking, 
I'd love to bring her over to do yeah. some shows. Where's she going to play? Yeah. Okay, you've got Ronnie's, yeah. but where else? I know. You can't just bring an act over to do one, to do one club. It's, no. Uh, you know, I was, uh, last year I was working with this guy, Jack Savaretti. He's a, uh, a rock guy. Yeah. Great voice, great singer, great musician. You know, right now... He's doing great, you know. Yeah. It's nice to see. So I, I would have a policy that encompassed all of that stuff. Where, where do you, you know what? In, interesting to talk about this because yeah. where would you think a lot of? I mean, not we'll get we'll get off Ronnie's now, but where do you think a lot of live music venues are going wrong? Where are they going wrong? That's a great question. I think the the, the bigger challenge is 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 for artists and musicians and singers of, of, of getting exposure because if yeah. you haven't got the exposure, you can't fill the clubs. You, you, That's you, right, chicken you, egg. You, you can't get who's going to play you on radio, and you can't build an audience without playing live gigs unless you're a YouTube sensation. You know, we, we were talking in the, in the last podcast about you know starting out in pubs or that place in Covent Garden yeah. when when Norman Grant's came. Well, you there. and I started the same way. There was loads of those places. You, you could play five, six nights a week, and you'd get good. And that's how you learn. That's how you learn. That's how you learn. Now that that's gone, yeah. so it's it's hard now. And uh, I suppose it's it's be, we've, it's become a cottage industry again. Yeah. So there is there is a business model where you can you know record your own albums, do your gigs, and sell them at the gigs, and well, do your own PR. Yeah. And most most venues now expect audience to do the PR. Oh, in yeah. fact, some venues, and I'm not mentioning names, have gotten downright lazy oh, yeah. in the fact that they expect yeah. us to do it all. Now I'm happy to do the PR. But I want to see at least another 25% effort from the venue. Yeah. And you know what? I don't see it. No. I don't see it. And I'm not slagging anyone. I'll tell you one venue that I think has got the business model right. It's a hideaway. Yeah, and I'm it's not, a good room. They, it's a good room. It's run well. It's got a nice stage, nice, perfect equipment. It's a nice. But what I like about it is it's a great venue in South London. But they've got a comedy room in there. Yeah. They have yeah, jazz. Yeah. They have non-jazz. So they, I like that. Di- I don't see why you can't operate a venue with a diverse musical policy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you shouldn't worry about what the... Sorry, but the jazz please say. No, I, I, I never did. No, you never did. I, ne- I never did. What about you? Would you like to open a club? Yeah, with you. We should, we should do it. I wouldn't do it on my own, but I, I would because I think between us we've got a lot of experience to know. And also we're not yeah. we're not jazz, even though we're sax players and we love jazz music. You know, it's our thing. Oscar Peterson and the people we're mentioning. Yeah, of But I, I really believe that um, we've got enough experience and enough musical diversity in our minds. Yeah, absolutely. To do it. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't want to put my own money behind it. But yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'd be very happy to come off the road in time for a while and open my own club. But yeah. I mean... As, as um, you know, well, you were, we were talking about Van Morrison just before we closed this one off. We'll yeah. do it part three. But you, you mentioned something to me the other day. You said that Van, tell what Van, what Van Morrison said about residencies for musicians. Well, we, the yeah, old-fashioned we, we, residencies. We were saying, you know, all, all the bands that we love, whether it's Louis Prima or the Basie Band or, or all those guys, they all they, of they had residencies. And, yeah. and and Van was talking about when he started. Yeah. You know, especially get, when he went out to Germany, he would do, you know, six-week residencies you where you do five sets a night. Yeah. That's how he learned. He was six. 16, 17 years old, and his whole generation were, do, were doing that. They had a place like the Star Club in Hamburg. Jimmy Page, all yeah. those guys. Bill Ailey and the Comets, they'd go in in the yeah. 60s in the Star Club for a month. I mean, El- Elton John started out, but he was back in, yeah. you, you know, American Soul Acts that came over. Do you know what's sad, though, is that Vegas, is, you know, you've got the big stars there, like Britney Spears and Celine Dion and Elton John, they do these big residencies. Yeah. But what you need is in Vegas... Somehow, I wish they could just bring the lounges back again. Because what a thing that would have been. I mean, that stopped in the 70s, really. Yeah. But that fantastic opportunity. But it's it won't happen there because it's like Disneyland. I think also the the audiences now. I don't think they 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 don't want it, or they think they don't want they it. They think they don't because they're not exposed to it. They don't hear it on the radio. Oh, they don't no. see it on TV. When was the last time you saw someone playing a saxophone on the TV? I haven't. 
I haven't seen it. There you go. I don't see it, and I think that that's that's the sad fact in this business. But uh, there's a, well, you know, I'll close by saying, you know, we all keep going. Yeah. And I think that, that live music is good for people's souls, and it's 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 very important. And I think people should realise. I'm not playing smoke up you. Pardon me, but we're <laughs> I'm having a cigar again. But um. um I, th- I think it, you've done a lot for live music, mate. You really not, not just oh, the contribution thanks, with right, the yeah. live playing, but the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff with Ronnie's and the booking yeah, yeah, and the Andrew Club. But you're you're you're, you're, you're still interested in booking on on the side as well. I, I love booking because I, if, if I discover someone that I love, I want to share that. It's like you see a movie, you tell your friends about it. I can remember when the first time I heard Jay Mon High, yeah. and I said to him, yeah, "Ray, check out this singer." We were knocked out. We were, yeah. You know, and so it's yeah. still nice. When you, when you hear players yeah. or singers that, and, and you want to spread that word so yeah you want to book them absolutely yeah. it's, it's, it's a worry because sometimes I've felt as I've spoken of, of getting you know cutting my workload down in time as yeah. I get older and just do selected concerts and getting possibly into the education business you know helping out people performance but the problem is with that is you're educating people to play on a shrinking circuit <laughs> well it's like I can, I can remember you know, a very prominent star at the time was one of the biggest names in this country who recorded a swing album and his manager said we need someone to open up for this guy who, who, who should we get and I said call a guy called Ray Gelato and I hooked you up and do you remember who that was? no Robbie Williams it was Robbie Williams you got I'd, me the gig I'd, I'd done a track with him I'd, mate at the Albert I'd, Hall I'd, I'd produced something with him and Jane Horrocks you did and yeah. he, it turned out and I, I did the I did the guide vocal on Old Black Magic it turned out that Robbie was a blooming Louis Prima fan and he, and he uh, so you know I know I like, I like to spread the word and you want people to no. know about people you know I like, dined you know? out on that for years because did, yeah. we were the band that supported <laughs> Robbie at the Albert Hall people still want to talk about that in interviews and I Seriously. said oh let's talk about that. yes but you know what that did that got me a couple of years because that swing revival was going on they all <coughs> had swing right, albums Rod right. Stewart McCartney right, yeah. and that Robbie Williams support I dined out on that for years I've said because I got so no. many well paid functions after that you serious? oh yeah I did but see, there's someone else you know you, you, you walk into a studio with pre- preconceived ideas yeah what a nice guy he did yeah. the song in two takes had time for everybody lovely yeah. lovely guy and say what you, people say what they like they, like you said earlier about people who are always like not people no complaints what no. a nice guy did you find him I found him a lovely guy we did the rehear- we did the sound check <laughs> yeah not the rehear- we did the sound check quickly and he was sitting there in the front row of the yeah. Albert Hall watching I bet, us I bet he loved your in band his, in his t-shirt and tracksuit bottoms and he came up he gave us all a hug and said sounds absolutely great fellas he goes thank you so much for coming thanked us for being part of it and it was great the reality of the gig was it was pretty awful I mean he was great <laughs> but we were playing all the uh, music biz people coming in right. and they were all on their phones you know looking yeah, and, uh, of course yeah. and you know what though towards the end of the set when they'd all settled down yeah. we got on going yeah of course you did but, it's, uh, but listen mate it's been a great pleasure to have you again on, 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 on this podcast you've been listening to Gelato's Parlour with my Get with my very special friend and uh, just I can't say too much about the guy what the entrepreneur or whatever he's done he's done everything Leo Green Leo thanks mate no, and we'll, pleasure, we'll have pleasure. you on another one see Take you care. soon